Grab your Bibles now. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4. If you'll remember, uh, we, are, we, we just finished up going through Daniel, <clears throat> verse by verse through the book of Daniel. And, uh, and we decided to take a, we've, we've already gone verse by verse through uh, the book of Revelation a couple years ago. So we're, what we're going to do is take the major events chronologically uh, in through uh, the book of Revelation. If that makes sense, say amen. In other words, what's going to happen next, all right? And we said the last time, we said that the, the rapture of the church is the next event to take place chronologically on the calendar. We're just waiting. We're, we're waiting for the trumpet to sound. Amen? We learned about that in Revelation 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. And uh, so we're going to keep reading in that same chapter because we're going to run into the, uh, the next chronological event. So if you're ready to study, say amen. amen. It says, and let's just go back to verse number one. After this, I looked, and let, me, let me say this, let me say this, let me, let me catch you up because some of y'all wasn't here last time. Uh, Revelations chapters two and three have to do with the church age. The period of the church age here on earth. If that makes sense, say amen. Uh, all the way from the very first letter, the letter to the uh, uh, church of Ephesus, all the way to the last letter, the letter to the church of Laodicea. It is the complete age of the church. Now, when the church age is up, that is when the church goes up. Amen. And that is the rapture. That is in verses chapter four, verses one and two. So let's go there. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne And the, immediately in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he was on earth. Now he's in heaven. He was caught up. Amen. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto the emerald. Now here's where we want to go. Verse number four. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. The word seats there is translated throne. So there, were, there was a major throne, a royal throne, and then there was 23 mini thrones, if that makes sense. Smaller thrones around the throne. And I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads what? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for the privilege of being in a place where people want to come and learn and to grow. Uh, Lord, I pray that you help us. There's a lot of stuff tonight, a lot of material, a lot of verses that we're going to cover. And Lord, I pray that you'll please just help us to, to uh, uh, go through this and, 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 and not get in too much of a hurry, but just glean it as we go. I pray that you'll just give me the, the, the wisdom, give me an unction from on high, give me the ability to share it like you gave it to me. I pray, Lord, that don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. God will praise you and thank you and give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, you can be seated there in Fairview. Uh, we're going to go through this slowly. I, I, gave, I gave you uh, an outline and I've got tons of verses that I couldn't fit on your paper. 
Uh, so we'll have them. Uh, but here's, here's what I want you to see. Uh, we're, we're going to look through this. What, what we just saw was Christians, believers with crowns of gold on their head. Now, this is what I want you to see. The very next event that takes place right after the rapture is the judgment seat of Christ. Say that with me. The the judgment seat of Christ. That is where the, the, the believers are rewarded, given their awards for the service, for the life, for their work here on earth. Are y'all with me? All right. So we're going to look at the judgment seat of Christ tonight. Now, why do we believe, why do we believe that, that this is the next event that takes place and, and when it does? Uh, sometimes when you read scripture, a lot of people try to put, just pile up everything at the same time. Like the judgment seat of Christ, that's for the saved. The great white throne judgment, that's for the lost. Uh, the judgment of the nations, uh, the Gentile nations, the judgment of Israel. They think all of that is going to happen all at the same time, but it's not. It's not. And they're not all going to happen at the same place either. Some is going to be in heaven. And some is going to be on earth. And, so, and that's what we're, we'll talk about that and, and, and clarify what them are. But we are going to pick out one tonight because it happens right after the rapture. Okay. Right after the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ. You say, how do you know that? Because they're already wearing their crowns. All right. They're already wearing their crowns. This, this is a, a picture of heaven. What you're going to see in Revelation chapter four and five is a picture in heaven right after the rapture. Revelation six through 19 is what's happening on earth right after the rapture, if that makes sense. In other words, chapter six, seven, eight, nine, as you go, is happening at the same time as chapters four and five, but chapters four and five is in heaven. That's the scene, the throne room scene, and the rest is here on earth. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. So what are we looking at tonight? Now, we believe that the judgment seat of Christ is the very next thing on God's calendar after the rapture of the church. Why do we believe that? Revelation 22, 12. What does it say? Jesus gives us a good, good, good hint of when this is going to take place. He said, behold, behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. Now we know the next coming of Christ is going to be in the rapture. Now watch what he says. I come quickly and my what is with me. In other words, we're going to receive our reward right after the rapture, right after we see Jesus to give every man according as his what work shall be. Second Timothy four, seven. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me what at that day. Watch this now. And not to me only, but unto all them. You say, what day is that? Them that love his appearing. Okay. First Peter five, four, first Peter five, four, right there in your notes. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a what? crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, is there any question when this is going to take place? It's right after the rapture. This takes place right after the rapture of the church. Okay. Now 
Let's go back. Let's go back to Revelation chapter number four. And, and then we'll, we'll jump into some other verses. Now, let's talk about those 24 thrones, 24 seats. The word seats means throne, right? The Bible says that we're going to rule and reign with Christ, correct? We're going to rule and reign with Christ. We're going to rule on this earth. It says that in Revelation 1, 6 that we'll go to in a minute. Revelation 5, 10. But why 24? Why 24? And, and, and what is that all about? All right. Uh, Henry Ironside. He's a great commentator uh, when it comes to Revelation. This is, this is how he, he explains it. In 1 Chronicles, you can, you can turn there later, but in 1 Chronicles chapter number 24, it describes how the temple was run and who ran the temple or who uh, led and served in the temple. You got to understand, there were thousands and thousands of priests, but you couldn't fit all of them in the temple at the same time. Amen. So they operated according to courses. You remember when Zechariah, when he was serving, uh, when the angel came to see Zechariah to tell him about the birth of, of John Baptist, he said he was of the course of Abiah. That was his group, his turn when he would go in and serve. Watch this. Henry Ironside said this, <clears throat> 24 elders were appointed by King David. You can find it in first Chronicles 24. They were appointed by King David to represent the entire Levitical priesthood. He divided the priests into 24 courses, each course to serve for two weeks at a time in the temple. This is the temple that Solomon built. The same arrangement was in force when our Lord's forerunner was announced, Zacharias, if y'all remember what I just said. The priests were many thousands in number. They could not all come together at one time, but when the 24 elders met, in the temple, in the precinct in Jerusalem, the whole priestly house was represented. Does that make sense? That they all couldn't serve at the same time. So 24 served at a time, but while they were serving, they represented them. They represented them all. Now this is the explanation. I believe this. The elders in heaven represent the whole priest, heavenly priesthood. That is all the redeemed. We know these are redeemed people because of what they're wearing, where they're seated and what they say. What are they saying? Worthy is a lamb. You have redeemed us unto God by thy blood. I, that's the only saved people can say that. So we know these are redeemed believers. These, this is uh, represented of the, the people who are saved. All right. Now, now the church is present. The whole priesthood. Now, the church and of the present age and the Old Testament saints alike are included. All are priests, all worship. There were 12 patriarchs in Israel and 12 apostles introduced the new dispensation. The two together would give the complete 24. So the 12 apostles represented the New Testament. The 12 patriarchs represented the Old Testament. All of them together represented the believers. Does that make sense? Now, keep in mind, we see that again, and this may not have anything to do with it, but I woke up this morning thinking about it, so I'm going to just tell you, all right? In the, in the, the, the new city, Jerusalem, in the new city, Jerusalem, it's got 12 gates and 12 foundations. In the 12 gates are the, the, the names of the 12 patriarchs, and the 12 foundations is the 12 apostles, Right? Now, so there is something very significant about that and very key to that. 
I truly believe that those 24 elders, those 24 uh, reigning kings, he's made us kings and priests. Now let's, let's, let's clarify that. Uh, look in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Just flip over there one second and we'll read a verse. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to pray to the Lord. We're going to finish this tonight, all right? Because I got, I got a ton of stuff. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Verse number 5. Revelation 1, 5. When you get there, say amen. amen. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins. So we're talking about saved people. Washed us from our sins in his own blood, hath made us what? Kings and unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now that's not just a title. All right. A king reigns. A king has responsibility over a realm. Are y'all with me? A priest was a representative. A priest was a representative from the people to God, from God to the people. So we're going to have those responsibilities. Okay, now watch this. Turn with me to Revelation 5. Revelation 5, verse 10. Now all of this is important when we get to the last point. All right. Verse, let's go back to verse 9. Let's go back to verse 9. Revelation 5, 9. If you're there, say Amen. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God. What? And, and we shall what? We shall reign on the earth. We're going to have responsibility down here. We're going to be Kings. We're going to rule and reign with Christ. When it says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. This is not just a cool religious, uh, saying it's going to be a reality. All right. Here on earth during the millennial reign, during the thousand year reign. And we'll get to that event in a while. Amen. So is there any question about what we're talking about here? These 24 elders are the redeemed. These are the believers. These are the people who are saved. Okay. They have received their crowns. And that's the event that we're going to talk about is receiving the rewards uh, for our service. Okay. Now let's look at number one, take your notes out and we're going to, we're going to look at this. Okay. Uh, all right. Dad, take this right here. I keep looking at it and it keeps distracting me. So if you don't care, you can preach that somewhere if you want to. <laughs> Y'all laugh, he will. All right. First of all, write this down. The place. The place. Where is this going to take place? All right. Where is the judgment seat of Christ going to take place? It's going to take place in the Father's house. Okay. In heaven, in the father's house. Now we're going to, we're going to give you some, some stuff to write down underneath here, but just keep this in mind. It's going to be in the father's house in heaven, right after the rapture. Say that with me right after the, right after the rapture. Now I want to tell you about 
I want to tell you about six different judgments that are going to take place. All right. So we don't get them confused. They're not all the same. They don't happen all at the same time. And they're not all at the same place. We're going to distinguish the the difference between all of them. Okay. First of all, in the Bible, we find the judgment of sin. Write that down. The judgment of sin. And that's very important. That's very important because there's a lot of confusion about the, the, the judgment of the saved. Okay. The judgment of sin took place on Calvary. All right. The judgment of sin took place on Calvary about 30 AD or 33 AD. There's arguments about that and I'm not an expert, so I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but many, many people believe it's 33 AD that that took place. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness in him. In that place, in that moment, in that time, God put every sin, every sin of every man that's ever born from Adam to the very last person on Jesus all at one time and poured his wrath upon him and judged sin. Amen. That's the, that's the first judgment I want you to see. And we'll, we'll mention that again in a minute. Then we see what we're going to talk about tonight. The judgment of believers. The judgment of believers. This happens in heaven. I believe in the Father's house. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house. Are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where is he preparing a place? In the father's house. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, where is he in the father's house? There ye may be also. He said, when he appears, he's going to bring his reward with him. All right. When the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory. The fate is not away in the father's house. Does that make sense? All right. See, write this down. We find the judgment of Israel, the judgment of Israel. This will be on earth immediately after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation. God's going to kick all the rebels out of Israel. Go read it. It's Ezekiel 20, 33 through 38. God's going to judge Israel. Purge Israel. That will be on earth when? After the tribulation. Okay? Okay. Then we have the judgment of the Gentiles. The judgment of the Gentiles, this will be on earth after the tribulation. This is found in Matthew 25. If y'all remember, if y'all remember uh, several weeks ago, we, we, uh, we taught and preached on Sunday morning about the goats and the sheep. Y'all remember when he said he put all the ones on this side and all the ones on that side, all the goats on one side and all the sheep on the other. And he said, enter into uh, the joy of the Lord. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was long, you took me, right? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the Gentile nations in that. That's when the earthquake is going to take place on the, on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split. There's going to be a great valley there and he's going to bring every single Gentile. Every single Gentile will come and stand at that. These are the ones that are still living. These, I should have clarified that. These are the ones that are still alive. With, with the, when he judges Israel, this is all of the living people that are Jews at that time. Does that make sense? 
And then when he judges the, the sheep and the goat nations, that's all the living Gentiles at that time. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Okay, now, now, then we have the judgment of Satan and the demons. Hallelujah. This is going to be after the millennium, not after the tribulation, but after the millennium. Immediately after the tribulation, Satan is going to be bound for 1,000 years. That's the millennial reign of Christ. We will reign with him here on earth for 1,000 years. Satan will be bound. What a blessed time that's going to be. But after, immediately after, he's going to be loose for a season. He's going to cause a great rebellion. God's going to finally deal with him. Okay? It's after. Now, I didn't put a place here. I didn't put a place because I didn't want you to think that was going to be in the heaven where the father's house is. It's not on earth. It's going to be in the spiritual realm. So if you were, if you put the heavens, you could, that, that could be an accurate statement somewhere in the spiritual realm. God is going to deal with Satan and his demons. If that makes sense, say amen. All right. Then we have the judgment of all unbelievers. These are all the unbelievers that's died. This is called the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. This happens after the millennium. You say, why does it happen after the millennium? Because at this judgment, all of the unbelievers, period, will come and stand at that judgment. All of them. And, and, and you, we know there's going to be a great uprising right after the millennial reign. So this judgment has to take place after the millennium. Okay. That's in revelation chapter number 20. So watch how this works. There's six of them. Five of them have to do with sin. Five of them have to do with sin, but one of them has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with reward. All right. Now, the reason I started with the judgment of sin, the judgment of sin on Calvary, Jesus paid the debt. Now, people, people have this confused for some reason. There are some Christians because of false doctrine, false teaching thinks that, okay, I've heard people say, well, when you get saved, all of your sins before salvation are forgiven. Before salvation. But now you got to, that's heresy. It's not accurate. It has nothing to do with that. Every, the moment that you got saved, every sin you have ever committed or will commit was completely forgiven. And paid for. Well, preacher, well, then why do, we, why do we ask for forgiveness in the morning times? And, and that's for fellowship. Not for your standing with God. That's for your fellowship with God down here. You understand? But you're standing with God. You are forgiven. That's why when we stand at the great white throne judgment, it has absolutely nothing zero to do with sin. Your sin was taken care of on Calvary. You cannot be judged again for what's already been judged. 
Now, I need that clear before we go on. Does everybody understand that? When you go to, when you go to the great white throne judgment, not one single sin is going to be brought up in your life. It was all dealt with on Calvary. Now, I'm going to explain what we are going for, so just hold your horses. But does everybody understand that? Okay, it's very important that you get that. Because they're just, oh, I'm just so, I'm just scared to death. I'm just scared to death. They're going to put a big screen up. It's going to get all my thoughts and what I was thinking in traffic yesterday. And it's going to be really terrible, you know. Listen, if that was the case, ain't nobody going to want to go. I need a witness. It's not going to be that way. That's not how this works. All right. And, and we'll, we'll clarify it in more detail. Okay. Number two. Well, before we go there, before we go there, uh, let's look, <clears throat> let's see here. Got all my verses here. Here we go. Uh, second Corinthians chapter number five, second Corinthians chapter number five, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at verse nine and 10. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine and 10. Uh, brother Barnes, y'all got my, my pictures up there. All right. Second Corinthians five, nine. <clears throat> Are you there? Amen. Wherefore we, what labor. we labor, we work that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the what? That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now don't let that trip you up. I'll explain that in just a minute. The judgment seat of Christ. That is the word bema. Bema. Okay? The bema seat. And it just means raised platform. Raised platform. Now, watch this. I want to show you this picture. All right? Can, can you do the other one, the Olympic one? Do you, do you have that one first? Now, now how many of y'all are familiar with this? Okay, everybody, you've seen the Olympics, you've seen people, okay. Now, are they, are they here being judged for their performance? No. They're being rewarded. They're being rewarded for their performance. Okay? Now, now, uh, this is a platform for the purpose of passing out rewards. Does everybody understand that? But in heaven, now here you got gold, silver, bronze. So first, second, third. It's not going to be that way in heaven. This is what it's going to be. You're going to be standing all by yourself. But here's the thing. You'll be first place. There's no second place. There's no third place. Are y'all with me? You're going to be rewarded. You're going to have praise of God to be rewarded for your labor, according to the verse. Okay? Now, watch. Romans 14. <clears throat> Romans 14, verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to every tongue shall confess to God. Now, here's the thing. 
What, what is he trying to say? Don't you worry about what I'm doing. I'm going to have to go stand up there all by myself. You need to be worrying about what you're doing. You need to be worrying about your labor. Because I am his servant. You are his servant. I don't need to be worrying about another man's servant. I don't need to be worried about another man's service. You may not do everything that I would do, but I don't answer to you. And you don't answer to me. So I don't need to be worried about you. I need to be worried about what's going to be when I get there. Amen. Now, watch this. Here's the next picture. All right. This, keep in mind, he was writing to the Corinthians, right? Second Corinthians, we just read this. Uh, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we're accepted of him. This is the literal platform. This is the Bema in Corinth. They've done excavations. This is archaeological uh, uh, structure. This is the actual Bema seat that was used during the games during the Apostle Paul's time, which is kind of cool. In other words, this is what Paul was thinking about. If you look in, in, in Corinth, most of the letters in Corinth, Paul is always talking about games, sports, because that's how they thought. They were very, they were very sports minded, the games, the Olympics, all of that kind of stuff. And this was the official platform. This was the official Bema seat, if you will, where that, that were in the Coliseum and in the, in the stadiums when they would win the, when they would win the, the games, they would come there and they would be rewarded. This was actual, this is the one that was there when Paul was there. Is that, is, is that cool? Amen. So all the judgment seat is, it's not a judicial where you're going to figure out whether you sinned or not. Has nothing to do with that or to be punished for your sin. Jesus was punished for your sin. Okay. Now, number two. So we know the place. The place is the father's house. The time is right after the rapture, right? Then number two, I want you to see the person. Who's going to be doing the judging? Well, according to scripture, it's going to be Christ. It's going to be Christ. Second Corinthians 5.10, who's going to be giving us our rewards? Christ is going to do it personally. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Watch this, John 5.22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. So the person that will be doing the judging, the person who will be doing the award, the rewards will be Jesus himself. Jesus, God is a very personal God. I mean, this is, this is amazing. I hope you see this. I hope you see this, that this is, God is a very personal God, individually, one-on-one. He doesn't save y'all. He saves you. He's a one-on-one God, and it's going to be that way. I love, I love 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself. 
I love how the King James words that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's not going to send angels after us. He's coming for his bride himself. And he's going to give the rewards himself. All right. Number three. Number three. So we know the, the place. We know the person. Let's look at the people. Oh. The people. Y'all listen faster. Y'all slow tonight. All believers. All believers. What's it say? First Corinthians 3. What does it say? We must all. Say that with me. We must all. all. We must all. Second Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Watch this. Now, how do we know this is believers? First Corinthians 3.13 says this. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built their own, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So we know everybody at this judgment will be saved folks. Are y'all with me? Now, what is the picture here? What is the picture here? And it says, but yet so as by fire. Yet so as by fire. This is the mental picture. This is the mental picture that the Apostle Paul is wanting you to see. Imagine being in a burning building. Imagine being in a burning building. And you have no time. You have no time. Now, if, if, if you see that your house is on fire, what are you going to try to do? You're going to try to find the, your most precious items, your most precious pictures, the, the most important papers. You go, well, in this situation, there's no time. The building, I remember when lightning hit the house right behind the church here. We had a work day. We're working out in the yard. Bam! There's lightning just hitting. What in the world? And all of a sudden we see smoke. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about in just a matter of minutes. That, that fire was from one end of that house all the way to the other, shooting out, shooting out of the garage. They didn't have time to save anything. And this image, this image here, it says, saved yet so as by fire, that this building is burning down around you. You have no time to get anything. You get out and it falls in right behind you and you couldn't save anything. In other words, you got out by the skin of your. He is that's in reference to getting to heaven. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Everybody's not going to get the same rewards. It's going to be some of us are just going to barely get in. Now, before you go crazy and say, well, at least I'm in. You don't understand. You don't understand what you get in with and go in with is what you'll have for eternity. It's, it, it, you know, some people think, well, I can be lazy and I can not be faithful. And as long as I go to heaven, as long as I ain't going to hell, it'll be. No, no. It ain't going to be that way. Look here. The people at this judgment will be all believers, all saved, all born again. Okay, number four, the purpose. We're going to get into more, more of the goody here. What's the purpose of this judgment? If we're not going to be judged for our sin, we know 
that Jesus handled that on Calvary, right? 30 AD, he took care of all that. So what is the point? What are we being judged for? According to what our works shall be, right? Let me read, let me read, let me read 2 Corinthians 5, 9 again. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're working, we're laboring. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter three, verse six, Paul says, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one and every man shall receive, watch this, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Let me read that again. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Very important. Very important. What's the purpose of this? Well, it says in Romans 14, it says, why do we judge our brother? Right? Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall, we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Watch this now. Listen, listen. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's the purpose. Now watch. 1 Corinthians 3.12 We're going to go into more detail with this. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, God is, God is describing your Christian life as building a structure. In other words, when you get saved, he lays a foundation. That foundation is Christ. But then as you serve him, as you live your life. As you work for him, you're building on that foundation. So he's describing your life as a structure. Are y'all with me? And, and the materials we use is based and depends on what we do. He says some people are building on their Christian life wood, hay, and stubble. Then some are Gold, silver, precious stones. We know one lasts and one doesn't. We know they're all going to go through the fire. And we know what happens with wood, hay, and stubble. Some of us are living our Christian life. And when we stand at that judgment, when God's through with us, we're going to be looking at a pile of ashes. Now, we're giving an account. We're giving an account. Now watch what it says. It says, now if any man build on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work, say it with me. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Manifest means uncovered. For the day, the judgment seat of Christ, the day shall declare it, means unveil it, peel back, reveal, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire... Watch this. 
shall try every man's work, watch this, of what sort it is. Of what sort it is. What's going to be judged? First of all, A, write this down. God's going to judge our motives. God's going to judge our motives. Let me describe it. You have two people here. You have two people here. You, I need two people. You two gentlemen, can y'all come help me real quick? Just stand right here. Stand right here, young man. Hey, I appreciate you coming from work, man. I appreciate that. Anytime you just come just straight from work, you just come right on here. Don't even worry about nothing else. Amen. Aren't y'all glad he's here tonight? Right from work. Now look. Now this man got a shower. But I'm going to show you something. Come stand over here. Come stand over here. Now look that way. Let's come on over here. Now watch this. Both of them did a work. Both of them stopped and changed somebody's tire. All right. Now, now, this one over here, by outward appearance, most people would judge him. And most people would look at this sharp looking young man and said, mm-hmm. Because they judge the outside. But you know what? There's a great possibility that this man's putting on a show. And this man's serving from the heart. And so what's going to happen is he's going to receive a reward and he's going to have a pile of ashes. They both did the same work. They both did the same good deed. But their motive was very different. One did it for the glory of God. One did it so somebody would recognize and pat him on the back. Y'all see where I'm going with this? You see, it's not, it's, not, it's not necessarily the particular good deed we do. It's why you did it. You know what God says about that? If you did it for the pat on the back, guess what? You just got your reward. But if you did it for the glory of God, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of... You know what we need to do? We need to check our motives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you give what you give? Do you give it so you can brag on it? Did you do that good deed this week so you could take a picture and post it? I hope you enjoyed that picture. Because that's all you're getting out of it. God's going to judge our motives. And I'm afraid... I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of us, me included, number one on the list, are going to be kind of disappointed on that day because we hadn't always done things for the glory of God. And all God's people said, thank you, bro. Good job. Good job. Them both good boys. Yeah, give them, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Now watch this. Watch this. God's going to judge our motives. He cares about why we do what we do. So how do you know that? Y'all remember, y'all remember the church of Ephesus? Remember they were working hard? They weren't putting up with sin? 
I mean, you want to make the list on the outside, any, any pastor in America would love to have church members like that. But you know what he said? I have somewhat against thee. In other words, you don't want Jesus to be saying that. I got a problem. Jesus said, I've got a problem. I have somewhat against thee. He said, you've left your first love. In other words, it's not about what they were doing. It was why they were doing it. Their motive wasn't right. And this concerned Jesus so much, he said, you need to repent. Repent from whence thou art fallen. Return and do thy first words or else. First he said, remember. Remember. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do thy first words or else I'll come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Lest thou repent. That means he's going to take out the presence of God, the power of the spirit of God in the local assembly. It was that big a deal. God cares more about just what you do. He cares about why you do it. So in that day, he's going to judge our motives. B, write this down quick. He's going to judge our conduct. Now, what do you mean by conduct? This is what he's going to judge. When it comes to our conduct, he's going to judge our faithfulness. Write that beside that. I didn't put a, I didn't put a dash there, so just write it out beside there. Were you faithful? God's not going to judge your success. He's not going to, he's not going to reward you because you had a big church or a big building or a big ministry. Were you faithful with what he gave you? Do you know what, do you know what uh, Billy Graham said? He was interviewed. He was interviewed. And they said, what do you want to, what do you want to hear when you get to heaven? This is what he said. He said, I just want to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But, oh, he said, but I'm afraid I'm not going to. You know what he's trying to say? There are people with great skills that God gave them, great abilities, great opportunities, and all of this. But they wasn't faithful. Not to the level they could have been. But then you're going to have somebody over here that was in the deepest, darkest part of Africa that nobody ever knows about. Nobody. I, I, I read, I heard a story today about a lady that served in Africa and, 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 and all the funding went, but she stayed anyway and, and served till she was, got sick and died. Come home. And there's only like five people, five people at her funeral. But I have a good feeling at that judgment. There's going to be a lot of people wish they was her. I heard a cool story. I heard a cool story. A missionary was coming home, served all his life on the field. Coming in on a train. Just happened to be the same train of a famous politician. And he pulls into the station and there's people with bands and banners and crowds cheering. All for this politician. And he was kind of really broken about it. He said, God, I've served you my whole life. Uh, my whole life. And I step off this train for nothing. You know what God said? Yeah. You ain't home yet. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that's right. Listen, at, at this judgment, God's going to judge our motives. God's going to judge our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. But then, our service. I use the word conduct. Our motive, our conduct, our service. Now, why our service? Because this is what's going to determine... This is what's going to determine what we're going to be doing during the millennium. Y'all hear me? Every Christian is not going to reign. It says if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. But if you're lazy and selfish and you don't sacrifice and you don't experience no suffering. Hello? What we do now, now everybody get this, what we do now determines what we'll be doing then. All right? Luke 19, real quick, real quick. We got, we got to hurry. Luke 19, quickly turn there. Jesus is kind of describing this. Luke 19, verse 15. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You there? Well, go back to verse 12. Verse 12. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. That means talents. Are you all with me? What he's entrusted you with, the stewardship God has given you with opportunities, talents, abilities, you know. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been what? Faithful. Because thou hast been in a very little, thou hast authority over what? 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pounds hath gained five pounds. And he said, likewise to him, be thou also over. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Yeah, uh uh-oh. For I feared thee because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest thou where thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that that I laid not down, reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou my money into the bank, that that, at my coming I might have required my own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, take from him thy pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, but Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. And we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that just a little bit here in just a second. Let's look at the promise quickly. The promise. <clears throat> 
First Corinthians three twelve. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, that's the, that's your, your, your deeds, your service, your labor, your, your behavior, your faithfulness. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he shall build their own, he shall receive a what reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet. So as by fire. Now, first of all, write this down. There's going to be reward. Here's the promise. The promise of this judgment seat reward. Don't you see five crowns, crowns. First is the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible crown. First Corinthians nine. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is, what is Paul saying? I'm going to get a crown because of the disciplined life that I am leading. So the incorruptible crown is for those who are really living a disciplined life, following the Lord and living a life of obedience to him. The crown of life, number two, the crown of life, James 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried. Now that word temptation is not temptation to sin, but difficulty, fiery trials, hardships, difficulties. He endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This is what it says in Revelation 2.10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried and ye shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Some have called this the martyr's crown too. This will be the crown of those who have given their life. Gone through trials and testings and difficulties. Then number three, the crown of glory. The crown of glory, 1 Peter 5. The elders which are among you, this is for the pastors, the teachers, the elders, those who break the bread of life to you and share and are faithful in their teaching. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. If you're a teacher of the word of God, stay faithful. Keep teaching. Keep preaching. Crown of glory. Number four, crown of righteousness. This is for those who love his appearing or looking for him to come. Second Timothy four, eight henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now, now what is so significant about loving his appearing? Because it motivates us to do something. 
it motivates us to do something. So what is that? First John three, two, three. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Watch this. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. First Thessalonians 2.19. For what? Oh, that's, a, that's another one. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Are you living a holy life? Because if you're truly looking for him to come, it's going to affect your lifestyle. Let me illustrate this a little bit. When me and my brother was growing up, when my father first went to work, in the beginning of the day, we were more prone to be ignorant. But the closer it was for my father to get home, Son, we were on our best behavior. Y'all with me? Because we knew if we acted up that soon, she going to remember. Now, if we acted up earlier in the day, she may forget. But if it was right before he got home, she going to remember. Does this make sense? Now, if we're living every day, if we're living our life like he could come tonight, it's going to affect our purity. It's going to affect our lifestyle. It's going to affect our thoughts because we want to be right. Amen. Then we see the crown of rejoicing. This is the soul winner's crown. First Thessalonians 2 19 for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing or not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Listen, there's a, there's a special crown for those who share their faith. The Bible even says you're going to be shiny. I send Daniel, go look it up. I don't have time. All right, real quick. We got one minute and 37 seconds. Here's the promise at this judgment. First, a promise of reward. But then B, there's also a promise of loss. Of loss. John, second, second John verse eight says, look to yourselves that we lose. Come on now. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. In other words, things we've worked for, but that we receive a full reward. There's going to be, we got to be real careful because I believe if you read between the lines and you really look at this, even, even Revelation 3.10, behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man what? That means that there's a possibility that we have earned rewards, crowns, and then because of behavior, it's taken away. That's what it's, that's the implication. That's the implication. Now, I know we're not going to have tears in heaven over our, our, our sins or over, over punishment. Jesus took all of that. But watch what this verse says. This is, this is convicting. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, 
That means stay close to Jesus. That when he shall appear. Now, what what do we know is going to happen when he shall appear? The judgment seat of Christ. We, 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 we already covered that in the first part of this, this lesson, right? When he appears, what's going to immediately happen? The judgment seat of Christ. So what is he saying? Little children, stay close to him. Abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have what? Confidence. And not be what? Before him. What is that saying? We know that at his coming... Immediately is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And there's some of us that are going to be before him. That platform is going to be in front of him. And, and we have, we have two, th- two ways we're going to go with it. We're either going to stand before him in confidence or shame. Now, now do you want to say that little statement? As long as I get into heaven. Let me remind you. Let me remind everyone here tonight. Who it is that's going to be standing in front of them. It is the one who had nails driven in his hands and his feet for you. It's the one who was beating to the point that you could not even tell he was a man. Who took the cat of nine tails. Who, who was beaten and pulverized and crucified on a cross and they spit in his face and plucked his beard out. That's the one that's going to be standing right in front of you where you're going to have to give a reason why you didn't serve him while you were here on this earth. And you're going, you, are you going to look him in the eye and say, well, at least I'm here. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't think you're going to be happy that you got in by the skin of your teeth. After all he did for you. The promise of reward, the promise of loss, the promise of an opportunity. And I'll say this and we'll pray. Revelation 4.10. These four and 20 elders... They fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Say it with me. And thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Preacher, what are you saying? You're going to have an opportunity. To give him something back. I've heard people say, and I've heard it in songs, what could we ever do for him that done everything for me? I'll tell you what. You can be faithful. You can serve him. You can obey him. Fulfill your responsibility to share your faith. Win people to Christ. Serve and labor for the right motive. For his glory and not your own. And then one day. He's going to give you a crown. And he's going to personally. Think about that. He's going to. Him, him personally is going to give you your rewards. 
And you're going to be able to kneel back and give them back. Listen, I don't know about y'all. You know, I'd like to get all excited that we're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. But this show motivates me for this one. I don't know about y'all. We got work to do. Amen. It's coming. It's right after the rapture. And the rapture could be any moment. So if we're going to do it, we need to get her done. And all God's people say it. 